0: All right, this one's wild. We have a ransomware gang that hacked into a company and then demanded a ransom. And then when they didn't get paid the ransom, they filed a complaint with the SEC saying, hey, this company we hacked, they didn't tell you that they got hacked and that's your rule. This is like calling the cops and saying, hey, my drug dealer shorted me. Let's get into it. I'm Matt Johansson. This is Vulnerable You. I'm gonna go through all the headlines in cybersecurity this week in about 10 minutes. So we've got this prolific ransomware gang, Alf V, AKA Black Cat. They're known by a bunch of different names. And they've been super busy this week. They're in a few different headlines. But the big one is they breached a company called Meridian Link. And they say that they've stolen a bunch of customer and operational data. And if you remember, we talked about it on this channel that the SEC put out a new rule this summer that said you have to disclose to them if you have a material breach within four business days of you knowing about it. Well, Alf V breached Meridian Link, so they say. And then Meridian Link didn't tell the SEC. And they also didn't pay their ransom. So Alfie got pissed that they weren't getting their ransom fast enough, said, well, you're breaking SEC's rules. So we're gonna up the pressure here. Meridian Link still says they're investigating. So that didn't really meet their bar of like a material breach that they don't have a lot of evidence of unauthorized access. But Alfie is saying they've got a bunch of data that they're ready to release. This is the first time we're seeing this new SEC rule leveraged in an extortion case. I think it's time to update some of our threat models. If you haven't included regulators coming after you as part of something you're thinking about, it might be time to add that to your list. And like I said, V was in a few headlines this week. The second one really quick is they're using Google ads to disseminate this new form of malware called Nitrogen. They're buying Google ads, promoting software like Advanced IP Scanner and WinSCP. These ads are directed to the Nitrogen malware. This Nitrogen malware was only discovered back in June of this year. And the malware uses obfuscated Python libraries and DLL side loading for evasion, establishing a foothold, and furthering the attack. We've talked about malvertising before. It's basically posing as this legitimate software and then tricking professionals in that industry who would want to download that software to actually download the malware. Staying on ransomware for just a second, we've got another prolific ransomware gang known as LockBit. I'm sure you've heard of them. A few weeks ago, back on November 2nd, Boeing, the airline company, came up on LockBit's site as one of the victims. And then the next day they confirmed that they were the victim of a cyber attack. Well, since then they've come off the LockBit site and so we assumed that there was some sort of ransom negotiation going on but this week Lockbit came out and said hey we are losing our patience. we didn't get paid a ransom here's uh, about 50 gigs of data that we stole from this breach. At the time I'm recording this the data is not yet verified for authenticity but Boeing did confirm the breach at the same time that Lockbit said that they did it so uh, one leads to believe that they probably do have some of Boeing's data. The other interesting part about this is we just talked about Citrix bleed in our last video as a new vulnerability to come out for Citrix. And some researchers are kind of tying some pieces together and they think that Citrix bleed might be the vulnerability that was used by the Lockbit group to actually get into Boeing for this. All in all, Boeing is saying that the data that they have is mostly related to suppliers and parts and has no impact on flight safety or anything like that. I just said it's a ransomware kind of week. Well, it's actually kind of a ransomware sort of few years and the US companies are the main target of this. We just talked about it in another video that 40 nations have come together and vowed to stop paying ransoms to these gangs. They wanna stop the money flowing to them. I think that's probably why we're seeing the different extortion techniques come out of the woodwork, because the gangs are starting to feel the pressure on how they're gonna monetize their operation. I'm guessing a lot of people are about to switch their browser to Firefox. Google just announced that it's gonna disable the feature that allows uBlock Origin, the very popular ad blocker, to work in its Chrome browser is a feature called MV2 and they're moving to MV3. It stands for manifest version three. And apparently this feature breaks uBlock origin and a whole lot of other extensions as is. Google says that this is gonna improve content filtering and it's gonna enable all sorts of other different privacy features. But from what I'm reading, there's a lot of experts that disagree. The EFF put out a statement that says that MV3 puts unnecessary restrictions on developers. There's also another version of uBlock called uBlock Lite or uBlock Origin Lite that works with MV3, but a whole bunch of the features that everyone relies on aren't included in uBlock Lite. I still have to dig deeper into this one, but I mean, if you put it together, Google's an ad company, they don't want you blocking ads. It makes sense that they'd make it harder to restrict that kind of content. I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you make ads secure, private, that they're not tracking me across the internet, and that they don't impact my user experience I'll happily turn off my ad blocker but right now ad blockers aren't just an annoyance saver they actually keep you safe on the internet we've talked on this episode about malvertising this is the kind of stuff that gets delivered via their own ad network if you can stop ads from spreading malware and you can stop tracking me across the whole internet so that if I say cat food in my kitchen near a microphone I start getting ads if you could stop all that I'll happily stop blocking them until then I think uh, a whole bunch of people that are using Chrome are gonna need to start researching their new Firefox or Brave build. I've talked a lot publicly about how much I dislike CVSS scores. If you're unfamiliar, this is the kind of score that gets attached to a vulnerability to try to determine its severity. It's out of 10, it uses decimals, it's fairly useless. To the point that I've actually helped promote research by some friends of mine that dug into you'd actually be more likely to close a vulnerability that would have been used in a breach just by picking from random rather than stack ranking from CVSS 10 down. That all being said, we obviously need a common language and a common way for all of us to prioritize which vulnerabilities we're finding and fixing. Every vulnerability scanning tool out there has some sort of prioritization mechanism under the hood. Years ago, they used to just rely on CVSS. Now it's included, you got to include the CVSS score, but generally they'll stack rank via some other things. One of the more powerful ways out there is if there is a known Metasploit exploit that's out and free for everyone to use. This is basically like, hey, if your hackers don't have the skill to write their own exploits, they load it up in Metasploit, it really lowers the bar for them to be able to exploit that vulnerability. That, of course, really increases the likelihood that that vuln is gonna get used in a breach. Well, this week CVSS 4.0 got announced. It's a brand new version of CVSS scoring framework. And even though I'm hating on it, I'm gonna keep an eye on this because if the improvements are good and there is a meaningful way to stack rank based on this, it's gonna be super useful to people like me pretty hopeful. It's saying that they're including things in the score that I would have included in my own prioritization mechanism. Things like is the vuln automatable, recovery values, value density, vulnerability response effort, provider urgency, internet of things, industrial control systems variables. There's a whole bunch of new variables going into the score that might really help out and make it useful. We'll see once this starts getting applied if uh, blue teams are actually paying attention to it or not, but I'm going to keep an eye on it. CVSS 4.0. Check out the link in the description below. And hey, while you're down there, like, subscribe, share this channel. We're just getting started really and it really helps the channel out. Super appreciate it. YouTube made an announcement this week that they're gonna include a requirement for AI-generated content to be disclosed that it's AI-generated. This makes a ton of sense. If you're watching this on YouTube and not listening to the podcast, you probably got a whole bunch of suggestions next to me and I'd almost guarantee that one of them has something to do with AI or is AI-generated or at least some portion of it was AI-assisted in the creation. I see it every day on YouTube. I know I'm digesting some content about AI, so it's going to suggest some, but even not content about AI, I see a whole bunch of faceless YouTube channels with AI voices and things like that on it. Well, now YouTube's requiring you actually disclose if the video is generated by AI. This is especially true if you're using a likeness of someone or if you're trying to pretend that your content is saying something from someone else's perspective, like a deep fake or something like that. I think it's really good that they're creating rules around this. I've seen a ton of ads recently by people like Andrew Huberman and uh, Elon Musk and Mr. Beast. They're, they're, They're deep fakes of the people promoting a product or promoting some scam cryptocurrency giveaway. And these people obviously are not associated with that product or that crypto scam, but the video looks like it is what they're saying. For the record, I'm not AI generated. If I was, I'd probably look a whole lot better on camera. I don't think I would pick this skin if I was gonna fake it. All right, those are the big stories of the week. Let me just go through some quick hits at the. The end of the video. You guys have seen the like that. These are all from my newsletter that went out today. Uh, you can find the link to subscribe in the description below. So first off, we've talked about the Move-It breach a ton. It's one of the biggest breaches by the numbers. It's a file transfer software, if you're not familiar. Had a big vulnerability this year, and it got taken advantage of widely by cyber criminals, and a ton, a ton of breaches were associated with this one Moveit vulnerability. All right, next up, we have a major Australian port operator that got shut down due to a cyber attack this week. Looks like about 40% of maritime freight in the country came to a standstill. Operations in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and a few other cities were down due to a cybersecurity incident. We don't have a ton of details. This kind of smells like ransomware to me, but we don't know about it, but they're still trying to get back up into full capacity. All right, a few weeks ago, we talked about a firm that figured out a way to unlock a USB drive that had a whole bunch of Bitcoin on it. Well, it turns out during that research, they found a flaw that impacts basically all Bitcoin wallets that were created before 2016. The vulnerability stems from insufficient randomness in the cryptographic key generation in the Bitcoin JS code that's used for all of those wallets. So if you've got a really old wallet sitting somewhere on a hard drive or on a thumb drive, you might want to move it to a new exchange because it says that about a billion dollars in Bitcoin is out there on these wallets that uh, would be impacted and be able to be stolen by this vulnerability. All right, back to ransomware for a second. We have dolly.com, which said that they've actually paid their ransomware attackers, but the attackers said that they didn't pay enough and they released the data that they stole anyway. This is why we've mentioned it on the channel a few times. The FBI actually warns against paying ransomware groups because they say that doesn't even guarantee you're gonna get what you want, either access to your files again or stop the files from being leaked, whatever the extortion is. Speaking of the FBI, there's also a whole bunch of reports this week about them chasing this scattered spider gang the Com Scattered Spider, obviously the, we've talked about them a bunch. They were involved in the casino hacks, getting them a lot of attention. They're still super active. And there's a bunch of reporting this week about the FBI trying to find them and really struggling to do that. All right, one last breach of the week. It looks like Toyota is confirming a breach using Medusa ransomware and to leak data. It says the Medusa ransomware listed a bunch of files on the dark web demanding $8 million to delete the allegedly stolen data and giving Toyota 10 days to respond to the extortion. And then a fee of $10,000 thousand dollars per day that they don't meet that in that 10 day time frame. All right, that's all we got this week. Thanks for watching Vulnerable You. Subscribe to the newsletter if you haven't already. Like this video, share it, all that good stuff. Come talk to me on Twitter or LinkedIn. You know where to find me and I'll see you next week.